Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm your lucky host this Hangout. My name's Trey Smith. I am a Philadelphia Writing Project teacher consultant and also a Learning Sciences PhD student at Northwestern University. Today, we'll be sharing work from the Game On Philadelphia Project in which educators from the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University and the Philadelphia Writing Project designed an after-school program for middle school youth that involved creating science-themed games. We'll share some of what we learned and questions that we still have at, the lear at learning about, sorry, we're gonna talk about questions that we still have about learning at the intersections of science, literacy, gaming, and making. Thank you for joining us here today, and a special, special, special thanks to the members of the Game On team for being here. I think we're starting our third year uh, as a team, and so it's really exciting um, to be with everyone. For those of you who are watching this Hangout Live, we encourage you to post your thoughts, ideas, questions via the Q&A feature embedded in the video player, or you can tweet questions and follow along on Twitter using the hashtag ConnectedLearning. So we're gonna get started right now. Uh, we're gonna do a quick round of introductions and uh, just give us your name and uh, briefly describe your role in the Game On partnership. All right, good evening everyone. My name is Sabrina Fesher and up until last November, I worked at the Wagner Free Institute of Science, which, was a, which is a 19th century natural science museum that teaches um, science, free science education to the public. As the outreach coordinator there, I taught year-long science curriculum and also launched an after-school program for middle school students. I became a teacher consultant with the Philadelphia Writing Project uh, through my participation with the After-School Matters Fellowship in 2011 and was asked to be a part of the Philadelphia Intersections team because of my unique position being both a teacher consultant and a museum educator at a science museum. Hello everyone, my name is Ron Houston and I am a teacher consultant uh, with the Philadelphia Writing Project as well. I am also a technology integration specialist for the District of Philadelphia, the School District of Philadelphia. Um, I support 22 schools and talk about technology and how to integrate them into classrooms. Um, I run PDs um, and different things. I was also a tech teacher for 15 years and I was asked to be part of the Game On project based on my uh, teaching technology, um, gaming, and um, different uh, areas of expertise in there. Hi everyone, my name is Allison Krish. I'm the manager of science and community programs at the Academy of Natural Sciences. Um, and I um, was brought on to the Game On team early in the process and helped with a lot of our curriculum writing. Hi, uh, my name is Mariah Romaninsky. I'm the Senior Manager of STEM Programs at the Academy of Natural Sciences. I'm sorry, I was having a little trouble with my microphone. Um, I was brought on to the program um, in a couple of different roles. I have a history of teaching science um, and math to middle school students, so this was a good connection for me. And then I also do professional development in 
uh, the city of Philadelphia um, for all different teachers, all different age levels. And um, I also like to play a lot of games. So I think it all worked out pretty well. Hi, everyone. My name is Corey Twiggs. I am a program manager uh, at the Association of Science Technology Centers, uh, which we call Aztec. Aztec is one third of the leadership team um, that supported the work of the Intersections Project. Um, I was also lucky enough to be the leadership team member who got to work with uh, the Game on Philadelphia folks. So I am honored to be here um, um, and I consider myself a Game on family member as well. Great, thanks so much everybody. Uh, wow, um, just exciting to be reminded of everyone's expertise and you're gonna hear all that come up as we talk about the program. And so uh, this is a collaborative project. We brought together museum educators and teacher consultants and I just wanted to give Corey a little more space to talk a little bit about the national perspective of how this partnership um, was supported and then we will talk uh, more specifically about the things that we learned as part of this partnership. All right, thank you very much, Trey. Well, we lovingly call this the Intersections Project, which you all will hear from time to time uh, during this uh, presentation. Uh, more formally, we, we, it's called the Building Informal Science Education Partnerships Grant. Uh, the grant was funded by the National Science Foundation in 2012, and it, it was, hate saying was, although the grant has ended, a four-year project. Um, the project was conceived as a result of a partnership between the National Writing Project, the Association of Science Technology Centers, which is my organization, and Inverness Research. Um, these three entities worked together to um, fulfill the goals of this project. And there were several goals. We wanted to uh, launch local partnerships between NWP sites and science centers to start to support the development of innovative science literacy programs um, and science literacy integration for both educators and youth. Um, we also wanted to um, explore the intersections between science and literacy um, through formal as well as informal educators um, and to work with them to start to develop these projects. Um, one of the most important goals um, that we wanted to address through the project was this lack of a focus on science education in schools uh, and more of a robust focus in schools on language arts and math as a way of kind of substituting science literacy. And we felt that um, it was important to give science a voice through this project. So we thought one of the most visible ways of highlighting and spotlighting science is through literacy. Why don't we develop these science literacy programs that can leverage both literacy as well as give science education prominence? And that was um, the goal and the hope for the project. Um, we wanted to ensure that all youth, as well as both informal and formal educators, have a chance to think about 
science both in and out of schools. We wanted youth to develop an appreciation for science, science technology in their everyday lives. Um, and hopefully to select careers in science through this project. Um, in terms of the structure of the, the project at large, um, we developed two cohorts of five partner grantees that would work together over a course of two years. Keep in mind that the project itself is for four years, but the cohort cycles were for two years. The first cohort began in 2012 and cycled off in 2014. The second cohort um, began their work in 2014 and cycled off in 2016. Um, so the work uh, in terms of the type of programming and experiences and opportunities that we developed for the cohorts uh, and the partners um, really kicked off through one of two um, institutes that we held for each cohort. Cohort one launched their work um, through their first summer design institute, which occurred in 2012. Uh, this included four representatives from each of the partnering organizations. So two members from the Science Center side, two members from the National Writing Project side. Um, and the goal was to start to get the partners to begin thinking about the things that interested them in their organizations related to science, um, to start thinking about and addressing current topics in science technology, um, start to uh, think about how they would position themselves um, as um, a stable entity to represent and support youth and science experiences. One of the criteria we hoped to achieve was to have our, um, our projects, our, our um, partners represent um, audiences um, specific audiences from underrepresented youth. Um, we wanted programs to be positioned to be scalable. Um, we also wanted to, to start having our partnerships think about quality in-depth science literacy work for not just youth, but for educators. This was to be a project that provided experience for both informal and formal educators um, as well as youth. And hopefully that's something that um, my colleagues here will, will discuss fuller than um, the information that I'm giving you. So um, this design institute was a way of allowing partners to bond with one another but also to start bonding with their colleagues across partnerships, get an idea of the types of um, um, interests that they have related to science literacy and start to think about and hammer out a plan for the work that they would do in year one. Um, the Design Institute, that first Design Institute was followed um, by partners going back to their home sites, starting to work together to develop um, a three to five page proposal that would plan out the activities that they would do through the project over the course of the first year, um, hammer out a budget 
that would fit within the confines of the $30,000 uh, each partnership would be awarded once they submitted their proposals to kick off their work in year one. Congratulations, cohort one got their awards and the work for year one started. Um, over the course of that, that, that first year of work, um, teams worked together, they recorded the, um, the process for working that they planned to do. Um, in many cases, teams uh, worked with the youth, certainly in the case of Game On Philadelphia, um, uh, putting their plan into action for the work of year one. The second summer institute would kick off uh, prior to the start of year two, um, year two in the project work, and it would address the successes and the challenges of the year one work. Um, and it would allow partners to rethink and reiterate it if, reiterate if needed, um, to start to begin to construct the work moving forward for the second year. That final summer institute followed, um, was followed by a year two proposal. Year two proposal was based on the work and the practices that were done in that final institute. Um, the proposal was submitted by the, that first cohort in year two, and they were granted another award of $30,000 to continue year one's work um, into year two with any sort of um, updates, changes, iterations that was made. Um, I do want to mention that throughout the work, both on and off-site, the leadership team designed a framework for staying connected with teams. That was very important to us. We thought it was important to communicate with the partnerships over the course of uh, the four years. Um, we designed um, a structure for communicating that included monthly calls and meetings um, where partners had the opportunity to present the work that they're doing, to ask questions, to receive support. Um, and assistance from um, their colleagues uh, across partnerships. We also developed a Google Hub web platform uh, where we were able to store resources um, that both the leadership team as well as the partners created through the work that they did in the first year. Uh, we also shared posts, announcements, experiences through a listserv so that we could um, communicate um, fuller with our partners. And I also want to mention that the Google, Google Hub was one way in which we started to shape um, the network, which would include both cohorts uh, throughout the course of the four years of the project. We also had one-on-one -on -one leadership team partner check-ins, both on the phone um, and both in person, which was really valuable. It was an opportunity to um, connect even further with um, uh, the partners that we as leadership team members worked with. And I th think it certainly proved beneficial for our partnership. I'm hoping that you all at Game On feel the same way. Um, so partners would push out the work within their communities. But in addition to the work that they were doing on the local level, they had the opportunity to disseminate their work um, to larger audiences. This was done through um, 
uh, the, the leadership team networks that were established nationwide and in many cases internationally. They presented at the um, annual Aztec conference that takes place every fall. They presented at the National Writing Projects concert con conference. Several uh, partners had the opportunity pr to present at independent conferences, including um, the National Science Teacher Associations uh, conference. Actually, that that was um, that was sort of an annual presentation from uh, different partnerships uh, within the. Uh, both cohort one and cohort two shared their stories of the work that they did within the intersections project. Um, the cycle of work that cohort one did was repeated in 2014 with cohort two. And I also want to do a special sh shout out to the game on a uh, crew because they were a part of um, that um, cohort two group who started their work in 2014. Um, they went through the design institute that kicked off the work in year one, would eventually go through the second institute um, that would set that set sort of the stage for the work in year two. In between that time, we had um, meetups, calls. We also had uh, pre-conference um, pre gatherings at the annual Aztec conference. And I believe that there are a few meetups at the NWP conferences as well. Um, one of the most important pieces to this project was the framework that was set up in which to, to um, produce the work and the processes related to forming the partnership as well as the individual projects. And that was, that, that framework was supported by design-based learning, the design-based learning experience. And this was an experience that um, the leadership team used um, in the process of designing the supportive programming that was used to um, nurture the partners, the partnerships and to hopefully support the partner work. Um, the partners used it to create their projects. Um, uh, they used it to process their work, to uh, iterate any work that needed to be iterated or reiterated, to assess and to ultimately redesign projects. The beauty of this particular project that we had the luxury of do-overs in this project if we needed to. Um, the work wasn't designed before the actual project occurred. There were moments in which the partners could get to know one another, learn uh, their various cultures since the writing project family is a bit different, different from the science center family. Get to know one another, get to know what their weaknesses and strengths were, and from there use that um, um, as a pathway to developing the actual project. So that design-based structure of thinking and learning and developing projects was extremely important to um, uh, the project um, in full. So now, unfortunately, we're at the end of the Intersections Project. It um, closed in uh, July of 2016. We have been lucky enough as a leadership team to uh, get an additional uh, supplemental grant to fund um, further work um, that introduces um, 
um, National Writing Project as well as Association of Science Technology sites to one another and starts to give them the tools and the framework to start to think about partnering as an entity um, as well as start to think about possible science, informal science literacy projects that they can use to uh, push out to their own communities and hopefully a um, a broader world that includes um, um, education practitioners, not just in schools and museums, but uh, throughout the, uh, really throughout the education world. So we're looking forward to um, the results of that supplemental. Several of you are involved in that. Um, and I also want to point out that uh, the work from the Intersections Project lives on. Uh, we're in the process of creating a website for the project that will have resources and tools and the stories from each partnership. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure that in time it will be posted on the Educator Innovator site. So that's intersections, at least a, a, a brief overview of intersections. And um, I'd like to turn it over to my colleagues in Game On. Thank you very much. Thank you, Corey. Pleasure Thank working you. with all of you. And, and honestly, I mean, the support that we had from Aztec and NWP was invaluable, as you heard from Corey. Uh, the space, the resources, the mentorship, um, the time um, to have uh, you know, multiple iterations of this work um, was so important. And uh, what we'll do uh, now is uh, there's so many different components to this. We actually uh, work together to design and, and test out um, sort of a series of, of after-school time learning experiences. And then we also, in our second year, brought on some additional out-of-school time partners. And so we shared what we learned in testing the curriculum and then worked with them so they could implement it in their sites. And so what you're really, uh, what you're going to hear from us today is really sort of a, a greatest hits, if you will, of sort of the, uh, some of the things we learned in the curriculum uh, and, and kind of designing learning. Uh, things we won't be able to talk about is just really, you know, how do we sustain this partnership as individuals uh, in different places, different spaces from different backgrounds. Uh, you won't hear us talk about, you know, how we supported our partners who are doing this work in other sites across Philadelphia. Um, you know, all of those different pieces are part of this project. Uh, what we really are excited to do today is talk to you about, uh, you know, as we work to design an after-school program for middle school youth, uh, and this after-school program we actually also tested during the summer, we were kind of smashing together some different, some different ideas, some different uh, topics, and then there was some really rich learning that emerged from that. And so what we'll do is we'll start, uh, we're going to cover a couple different uh, groupings of these themes that were put together. And uh, we'll start with uh, talking about some of the things we learned at the intersections of gaming and literacy. All right. Thank you, Trey. Um, so we chose gaming because it naturally engages youth. And it also met one of our key goals, which was to bring fun into the classroom. And probably the most important reason that we included gaming as a core piece to our curriculum was that youth are actually the experts who know the games and gaming. And this subtle shifting of who's the expert and who's the learner um, within the curriculum changed the typical teacher-student dynamic and made the learning and teaching more collaborative as a whole. 
Um, gaming naturally uses and develops literacy skills. There are some people, and there's writing um, about how gaming could be considered its own literacy. I'm going to show you two slides that look at the different literacy skills that are used um, and that you know, our youth used while they were learning about and doing game design. And these two categories are making meaning and creating meaning. So I am going to share my screen. Okay. So, you can see here this concept map with making meeting. If you look up at the top, we have the most. So, um, Sabrina, we can't, I don't think we can see this yet. So, I don't know if there's uh, a different screen that you can click on. It says Google Hangouts to share your screen with Hangouts people. Mm -hmm. And. Um, Well, you don't mind if I could jump in for a second? Yeah, go for it. Um, okay, so in the school district, the, the number one focus for um, me and, and for all our students is literacy. I mean, we have to make sure that when we are planning our lessons, thinking about how um, our students can achieve, um, that literacy is, is the focus. It's the way to go for, for math, for, for all of the subjects across the board. Um, gaming, uh, as a technology teacher, is something that I actually um, incorporated into lessons on a regular basis. So mirroring, merging the two, for me, was um, a pretty obvious um, choice, and it's something that drew me to this project um, a great deal. Um, the idea of all of our subjects across the board needing literacy infused in it and each week we were writing lesson plan that did just that um using different games like scratch because again as sabrina said students are the experts when it comes to gaming that's something that's a big part of their life and it's not something that is, they have to go to a place to do they do it on their phones they do it on a daily basis they do it all the time on breaks um they do it at home they do it on the way to school before school during school so it was a way to tap into something that they loved um, into something that we needed them to master. And so, right. based on it, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ron, you wanna finish what you were saying? Uh, so based on that, um, merging gaming and literacy, um, it's a natural fit. It's a natural fit. And it's something that through this program really benefited um, the students. They got to do not only do literacy and gaming, but science and, and different things that just brought it together in a way that really enter not only entertained them, but informed them and the instructors as well. Go ahead, Serena. All right, thank you. Okay, so now I think you should be able to see the slide. Um, so this concept map here is making meaning. And if you look up at the top, you know, one of the more obvious literacy skills that they're using throughout um, all of this is reading. They're reading the rules and instructions. But if you look around the rest of the map, um, as the youth were making meaning 
understanding the elements of games and game design, they're actively doing this. There's listening, there's watching, um, there are discussions that they're having, they're through all of this, they're analyzing. Um, we spent a lot of time having them analyze games into different groupings like audience, purpose, and genre so that they were then going to be able to use that to create games and um, have those components in mind. They're interpreting and deconstructing games. Again, making meaning from all of this so that they can then create. Um, if we look at, oh, I want to just um, draw your attention down the bottom to the bottom box that says learning from mistakes and developing a growth mindset. This is very specifically um, something that's talked about when people are writing about gaming as its own literacy. As people play games, they lose, you know, they fail, and automatically the, the reaction isn't just to give up and stop playing the game, but to go back, learn from the mistake, try a new tactic, because the end goal is to win. So developing these skills to take with them is also key. On the second slide, we have creating meaning. And again, as you're looking around um, at these different boxes, what the youth were doing was very active, lots of communication. As they're creating the games, they need to, um, we spent time having them write rules for games they know because they were going to be writing them when they created a game. They had to organize and sequence the gameplay. They were incorporating new vocabulary as they um, explained new games and content. They needed to develop relevant content, um, and ours happened to be science. Um, All right, we lost Sabrina for a minute. I'm not quite sure um, how that played out. Um, but uh, yeah, Sabrina, somehow you got muted. I think uh, maybe you can unmute yourself. Yeah. Hear me? Yeah, then you could stop sharing the screen now too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see yourself play. Um, and the last thing I was just going to say is really, you might have seen a lot of overlap between the understanding, the making meaning, and creating meaning because these skills um, are happening simultaneously. To be able to do one, they're doing the other, um, and it's really all mixed together. So I'll turn it over to Trey and Mariah. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Sabrina. And the other thing I'll mention, uh, one of my favorite parts, um, as we were uh, talking about games with the students, um, we we're able to start off all of our work um, as part of the start off all of our work by having students list all the games that they know of. And uh, so this is an example from a group that I did. Uh, I, I, a group that I worked with during the summer and they wrote out all the games they knew. And then we started to categorize and classify them, uh, thinking about audience and purpose and genre and uh, using some literacy terms uh, and ideas uh, to talk about games. And so that was really uh, an exciting part. And as I mentioned classification, I think that, that probably takes us to our next intersection, which is really thinking about the intersections between gaming and science. And now, just because we're presenting these separately doesn't mean that 
Um, we, we taught these things as separately as they sound. Um, really, uh, these things were intersecting at all moments, but we just wanted to highlight uh, for you some things that we noticed um, at the intersections of uh, gaming and science. And so we'll start with this first photo, and then I'll give Mariah and Allie some time to talk, uh, talk through this. Great, you're on, Mariah. Okay, great. I'm. <laughs> there we go. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so what you're seeing here um, is the one of our games that has to do with the um, utilizing techniques that birds would use to gather food with different types of um, materials that the students are familiar with: chopsticks, tweezers, um, and spoons to replicate the different types of bird bills and the different ways that these um, birds may scoop up different types of food. And so in this experiment or this action that we're doing with the students, you're seeing that they're learning with a gaming, per, gaming aspect. So they're playing with marbles and they're doing, uh, we've got a hula hoop and we've got some things that they're already familiar with and they're representing these, um, these birds in the wild. And it's really a place where the gaming and the, uh, the science come together because you're active, you're moving. Um, we've learned that the more you do, the more you remember. And so we're starting to see that with, uh, with this um, experiment here. And it's something that we do um, in one of our, our classes at the academy all the time, just talking about the different ways that birds um, find food. And it always goes back to things like Darwin's finches and all the different ways you can watch adaptations and evolution. So this is one of those. Cool. And so the next one, I have another another slide up here that I hope everybody can see. And uh, you'll notice that there's some student writing uh, behind this as well as a, an image. And this looks like another example of using a game uh, to address some kind of science idea. Great. So this is another one of our super fun um, experiments that we uh, do with the kids and it's another game that we've um, played for years. This one's called Red Knot Hopscotch and this is a, another um, intersections of science and gaming. Um, everybody's familiar with hopscotch and the game that the students are playing here is one where the, they are the birds. These birds are called red knots and they spend their migration season flying from um, South America and they stop in the Delaware Bay along the way to eat all the all the horseshoe crab eggs that they can eat. And so what the girls are doing here in this picture is they're playing hopscotch, a game they're familiar with, but we're adding a science component to it as well. Each um, square that they land on, they have to make sure that the, uh, they eat enough eggs in order to pass on. And so what we're doing is we're really showing that science and gaming can be combined and they don't necessarily have to be separate. And so you're learning all about the red knots and the horseshoe crabs and migration. And you can see in the picture on the left side, the brainstorming that was done, animals that migrate. On the right side, obstacles encountered during migration. And um, in the end, all the students had a really great experience playing a game and coming away with it with a piece of information that they didn't have before. So then after that, we uh, can transition to this next picture uh, to, to move away from thinking about using games to teach science ideas and thinking about uh, something a little different here. 
Yes, in this case, we're looking at um, making games from found materials, or in this case, maybe even hacking. I'm sorry, what was that, Trey? Oh, no, I'm listening. You're good. Okay, sorry. Um, so we have just different materials. We've got science materials. We've got some game materials. Um, just kind of a bin of fun, exciting things. Um, and how to put them together. Maybe uh, taking a game that you're already familiar with, dominoes, and then turning it into something that has a little bit more of a science twist. Maybe um, when you match the dominoes up, you have to find an animal that uh, needs to eat five things to survive today. But we left those types of things up to the students. Basically, we wanted them to expand their horizons based on what they knew about science and what they knew about gaming and somehow working together to put those two pieces into uh, one, maybe not necessarily cohesive game yet, but it's more about getting the idea across and getting the, the momentum going um, to get their brains started on how do we take science, how do we take games, and how do we put them together? Um, a big piece of that we, is called hacking. And so um, in hacking a game, you're going to take a game that already exists and you're going to maybe break it apart and try to put it back together with a new objective. And so um, we had to uh, basically tell them it's okay to change the rules, to break the rules, and then to build the game up again. And part of that um, helps to understand gaming and then moving forward helps to create your own game in the end. Cool. And this next photo, you can see, again, uh, in this case, uh, the kids are hacking an existing card game, and you'll see some little insects uh, around. So they're incorporating that into this game. You also see in the background of this photo, uh, we have some uh, design rules for the rough draft of your games. Uh, it might be too small for you to see, but uh, one of the, some of the things that uh, Mariah is talking about, about embracing failure, uh, maybe don't get stuck on one idea, just change it um, and be critical, keep it ugly. It's probably one of my favorite ones. And so um, this was also just kind of a set. It's almost rules for not having rules, if you will. Uh, really uh, kind of a, a cool, cool thing to, uh, to share with the students. And that this is just not always something that uh, kids get, told to do in school, uh, which is to kind of don't get stuck on an idea, just embrace failure, be critical, keep it moving. Uh, you know, so this was a really wonderful uh, opportunity for the students to engage in um, some learning that might might be, uh, I hope I'm not going out on a limb here, but might be a little different than some of the things that uh, happen in school. I also want to um, kind of point you to uh, this quick little graphic here, uh, just to kind of emphasize um, from a zooming out perspective, some of the differences or different ways that science um, is intersecting uh, in these examples. So, um, you know, on one hand, we're using science, uh, we're using games to teach some kind of science content. Um, and some of the other examples Mariah talked about were asking students to hack existing games using science ideas, or even to be inspired uh, by science ideas to make uh, new games. And uh, that kind of actually brings us uh, to this next portion uh, that we can talk about, uh, which is really having students, after we walk them through um, sort of, you know, playing some games that are science-based, playing some games that, you know, have nothing to do with science and then maybe hacking them, um, finally getting to a point where they're starting to uh, do some creating on their own. Unless, Mariah, there was some, some one other thing you wanted to talk about that I might have forgotten. No, I think we, uh, we hit on all of them. And uh, I think that this infographic that you have up right there is really an important one. Um, 
just seeing how science really fits in with the gaming as well as with the, the literacy component. So um, thank you. Yeah, and I well, one of the things I will shout you out here because you actually, um, you know, one of the things that's great about this, uh, the program that we designed is that there's a lot of flexibility. And uh, once you start to get the theme or get the idea that you're kind of smashing science and games together or, or games and literacy, um, I think you shared with us uh, the first time you tested the curriculum, uh, the students were outside and you guys built an obstacle course. And you, uh, instead of the kids making their own full game, you said, well, why don't you guys just take one piece of this obstacle course, let's design this together. And uh, let's uh, maybe have it inspired by some science idea. And uh, that's something that Allie and Sabrina and I wound up using because we also found, uh, you know, we tried to skip to the step of having kids create their own games, like brand new games out of nothing. And we realized that that was almost, we had probably stepped a little bit too far and we needed to do some more scaffolding to help the students out um, in terms of making their own games. So we said, like, we just, you know, we borrowed your idea, which is now, you know, part of the curriculum, uh, which is, you know, design an obstacle course, let it be inspired by, you know, something about migration that we learned about or something, um, you know, about predator and prey relationships and uh, incorporate that into your obstacle course. And uh, so that's something that, you know, I don't think was originally intended necessarily in the curriculum or written down somewhere. And it just kind of, you know, it happens when you have this, when you, you just know that you can take these magical pieces and put them together and, and create something new. So I just want to shout you out there, Mariah, because I think that was, you know, some inspiration that, um, you know, one of the many times that someone on the team said, hey, what if we tried this? And uh, so, so what we can do now is we can actually transition to this next part um, where we'll talk about, you know, what happens when we then take the science and the gaming and we add this extra layer of making to it um, where, you know, youth are really expected to make something brand new. And so uh, we can move uh, to this next part. And uh, so, so uh, you know, Allie, if you want to take over here about the games that you've created, you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. Sorry, my, my mute button wasn't going when I was clicking on it. Um, so one of my favorite pieces of our curriculum is um, this idea that at the end, once the students have put together these beautiful games, they can test them out with the public and really get the community involved. Um, so what we did this past year um, is we brought our students to the carnival at the Philadelphia Science Festival. And just for a little bit of background, um, the Philadelphia Science Festival has been running. It will be seven years in 2017, and it's nine days of science fun across the city of Philadelphia with museums and universities and um, other organizations participating to do evening programming, school programming, um, you know, daytime programming. And it all culminates with this huge carnival in a public space with over 200 vendors and up to 30,000 people that come together. So we brought our students to the science festival with these beautiful games that they created so that they could show them off um, and get other kids and families to come together and, and play these games and um, experience that. And I think that was one of the most beneficial things that the students got to do because they got to create something, bring it to the public, get feedback and really see that it, it's not just this task we're assigning them during the program or during school, but it's something real and tangible that they can bring out. So I think that one of the things for me in the creating of the games was that it was just um, the idea that the students had this freedom 
to take a game that they already knew, hack it, or come up with something original. And I think that the idea of uh, uh, watching them take these games apart, one of the things that was really cool was that we had um, a stockpile of games, whether it was Monopoly or I think somebody on the team bought Operation Um, or whatever, you know, we had. And they were actually taking parts of the different games to create new games, which was something initially – it's hard for us to do, right? Because when we start playing the game and we think of the rules of the game, it's very difficult to, to stray from what we are used to. And I think that the, the students thinking outside of the box and able to take um, different parts of games and coming up with their own and then infusing science um, in the game itself was just a great experience. Um, the, the first time we were in there and we started talking about changing um, some of the rules of the game. I always tell this story, but uh, we talked about doing tic-tac-toe. It's one of the things that we do in the hack where we talk about tic-tac-toe and how can we change this to a different game. And so one kid stands up and says, um, I want to change the, let's change the X's and the O's, which, you know, I just had to laugh at because I'm kind of like, I think that's the same game. But the idea that they um, even were trying to think of different things, even in that setting was awesome. Right. And so they put together games um, using as many things in the classroom as they could. Um, there were bug wars. Um, there were dinosaur wars. There were digital games they put together. Just watching that creative process evolve and them learning while they're going along. And I'm learning while they're going along. That's the other part that was so fantastic because, you know, I like science, but, you know, so the fact that I got to get and learn more about science, to learn more about science, to learn through gaming with them and watching them um, pull me into it. I think me and Corey sat down on the floor and um, played this bug game um, with one of the kids. And the game had to be as big as the room, if I remember right, Corey. That game was humongous. Um, and the idea that the game had that freedom, because you know how we try to keep them in a box. Like, when we, okay, look, the game is, you can make a game, but make it as big as the table. No, they made this game probably almost as big as the classroom, and it was just a fantastic learning experience. Something that I know that they won't forget, something I know that I won't forget, and I think we're all richer because of it. And I know all of us have experienced that with our students, and, um, you know, it's going to keep going because it's too good a thing for it not to. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna let anybody else jump in uh, that wanted to but I, I did just want to say I mean it was to have students we had students from all over the city uh, their families come uh, to the science festival we provided buses and you know the the joy uh, that we saw at the table we had hundreds of people stopping by and we as the adults I wasn't doing anything right it was the students it was the youth who were talking about the games that they made. Uh, there's a, a picture here of uh, two young girls who made a, a Bug and Me game. There's actually a video uh, on the uh, Hangouts on this uh, webinar page. There's a game on video. You can see uh, the two young ladies uh, talking a little bit more about their game. And uh, so this was you know, kind of a culminating moment of students where we were, you know, students were looking at literacy and gaming and science and gaming. And uh, this was a culminating moment for them to share with the public something that they made that 
that no one's ever made before. And uh, so it's just an incredible, incredible experience. Anything else, Allie, that you wanted to add? I mean, just to echo what you said, Trey, the, the science, the carnival at the science festival was just such an outstanding portion of the whole game on program. You know, from the beginning to end, we saw these kids challenging themselves with science, with literacy, with the creative process, and then to have them make something tangible that they were proud of and wanted to share and show off. And then to see them, I mean, we had so many students come together that day um, and just to see them show off their games to the public, it was amazing. And I, it honestly was one of the busiest booths there of, of over 200 different, you know, partners that were at the, the carnival that day. It was crazy to see how many people came to see what our students had created because they, they were just that um, energized to show it off. And I want to add on to what Ali said. Um, one of the things that I loved about that experience was the pride that they showed in those games that they made. And the other thing is that they used some of our partners actually used their neighborhood, their areas. They went out into their um, their surrounding, and they used part of their surroundings as in part of the game, which takes to, to me that takes it to another level of understanding because they were going through the area looking for different science um, items and and themes um, to incorporate into their game, and just coming. And the other thing was that they had different adults who were so eager to take part in playing their games with them. And that's something that I think that today a lot of our youth are missing, the fact that the adults aren't as engaged. That's where gaming really comes in, right? Because gaming is, is a way for me to play by myself and do some different things or at least connect with people online, those types of things. Here's a situation where they're making games and adults of all, eight, of all ilk are playing games with them, paying attention to them, learning with them, and I think that just takes this took it to a whole new level. I would just like to jump in and say, you know, I, I mean, we are very lucky in Philadelphia to have something like the Philadelphia Science Festival that we could jump on and participate with. But, you know, if we didn't have the Science Festival as an option, it, this is something that you could do with, you know, a game night at your school or community center, wherever, you know, the program is being run, just to invite those adults or, or other community members to come together and, and experience the games that the kids have made because they're they want to show them off they're proud they they had a good time and yes we had a great platform with the carnival but we would have found a way to give the kids that empowerment to to show off their creativity awesome thank you and i did want to um just circle back and uh you know we've been throwing around science i did want to say that we um especially focused on paleontology and entomology and just biodiversity generally and uh, some of the things that we you know our goal throughout this was to engage um kids with science ideas but there was never like a you know a moment where we gave a quiz or a test and uh you know so we were uh dealing with some really uh you know really awesome intense science ideas also some cross-cutting themes that you might find in um, the next generation science standards but you uh, you know we are applying those themes to games as well and uh, so I just I throw this uh, last slide up here just to show you uh, the ways that again we're trying to uh, just you know take the best of these different domains gaming literacy science um, and see how do the themes and how the ideas connect and then the big picture though is that the youth are then taking what resonates with them and they're using that to make something brand new and to share and go public and uh, that was uh, you know sort of the culmination of a lot of this work.
So with that said, I did want to, um, we have a couple minutes left where we um, could do a, a little brief conversation about a couple different topics. Um, but one of the things that I think has kind of been hovering, you know, uh, behind the scenes here is that we did choose to, to do this in after school and out of school time spaces. Um, I think that there were some reasons for that um, in terms of, you know, some of the flexibility we talked about. I'm wondering, you know, about some of the things that maybe our, te our you know, teachers learned here or the museum educators as you think about school. Um, what are some lessons that we could take from the uh, out of school time uh, into the classroom? I'm just curious about some things that you guys are thinking about as we worked in the out of school time spaces and think about school. So I think that uh, if I may jump in there, um, I definitely think that the fact that some of the things that you do, it seems like when you do something after school or out of school, it has kind of a different feel to it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a situation where you're not in school and all of a sudden it's fun. It's fun. Oh, we lost Doing, Ron? Oh, yes. we lost you for a second. Sorry. Oh, my bad. Um, I think that when you create a community in your classroom, that same feeling that you have after school or you have outside of school should be brought into the classroom. And the idea of Game On was to meet the students where they were as far as what they're into, their likes, their, you know, things that they are really involved in. The problem with the classroom sometimes is we don't think about that, right? So in the classroom, it's like, you're going to learn this and that's how it is. And we're not going to, yeah, you might not be interested in it, but you have to learn it. So in this situation, I think that we were able to take content that they know that they needed to learn. And at the same time, incorporate something that they were interested in at the same time. That's something that has to happen in the classroom on a daily basis. That's something that every teacher has to tap into. So doing this kind of game on is something um, that can be used in other ways in classrooms, it's all about meeting the interest and getting students to love learning. Because that's what this if is I, about, love learning. If I can jump in here too. Um, I think we've got resources that I believe we were sharing, right? And within those resources, you'll see um, different lessons that you can use as a classroom teacher if you're interested in incorporating the game design really into any content. Um, you can take pieces of um, what we've done and what is available online to be able to use in the classroom when there isn't the flexibility to um, do maybe something quite as in-depth. Some of the some of those resources uh, Sabrina was mentioning, uh, Eric Zimmerman, for instance, uh, we used a lot of his uh, work on rules of play. Um, and so we posted a link to um, those resources online. Um, I think also James G uh, or Guy, uh, we posted some of his uh, work on gaming and literacy. And so uh, those might be some starting places for people um, to really, uh, I think Sabrina, you brought it up earlier and it's been, uh, and Ron was touching on it too, that we're really, you know, kind of recruiting student expertise 
um, about games and gaming as a starting point for learning. And a lot of times that's kind of how we, you know, hook the students in. Um, and then we were, you know, playing games that had science to teach science ideas. And then uh, we started, you know, things started to get muddled, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to blur some boundaries. Uh, but we really, it was intentional that day one, uh, lesson one was starting with what do you know about games and um, you know we also uh, just to set up you know I don't play video games uh, but I did a you know a summer I did two summers of this with students and students were naming all kinds of games I knew nothing about and as a you know teacher to be in a space where the kids are the experts um, that's so 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 powerful and um, and that was the tone that we set and, uh, and, and again, going back to what the lessons for school, you know, that isn't always the, you know, the way things are set up, but, but why not, right? And that's what maybe starting and, and, and recruiting some of the student expertise and knowledge about gaming as a starting point um, is just really, really uh, super powerful. Um, I also just wanted to, um, you know, ask anyone else who was interested in talking about, you know, some of the things that, um, some of the other, you know, anything else that we missed in terms of thinking about games and science and literacy and um, making, I just want to make sure that we didn't, we didn't miss one of your favorite parts of one of your favorite moments uh, from working with the youth over these two years. I would like to piggyback actually off of something you were just saying, Trey, and um, thinking again as the students, as the knowledgeable um, people about the games, a lot of what was happening in our curriculum is asking youth to do things that are outside of their comfort zone. Break down rules, make new games, combine things together, and by having um, students feel confidence, at least at the gaming level, they were more open to exploring those new areas um, that they may not have been as comfortable with. I'd like to jump in here as well. Um, I think that maybe because of the gaming platform, they, the students or the youth were able to feel a little more comfortable with science um, in, in the aspect that occasionally science can be daunting and scary and having it, coming at it with a gaming aspect because even when we taught science to the students, we taught science with games. So it wasn't like we were teaching straight out after school lessons that were hardcore science like you're at every day to day. But I think what can be taken away from that is that you can still teach science with a game in your everyday classroom um, because these are fun ways to get that same point across. And so maybe science became a little less scary. Um, there was more literacy involved and it was fun with this gaming aspect. And I think that can even be taken into a classroom setting and, and maybe given a twist to something that's a, a little bit more dry um, on a normal basis. So I think that was a piece that I wanted to add to this as well. Cool, thank you. Well, so uh, there's a lot more that we could talk about. Um, and certainly uh, we'd love to, uh, you know, follow up with any of you who are interested. Um, you have our information on this webinar uh, page. Uh, you can look up the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University or the Philadelphia Writing Project. Uh, get in touch with us uh, that way as well. And uh, certainly you can share this webinar with uh, other people. It's being recorded today. Uh, you can share it with other folks in your community and uh, jumpstart a conversation about 
you know, what kinds of learning do you imagine could be happening as you uh, put together gaming and literacy, science, and making. Um, so as the time winds down, we just, I just want to thank everyone. It has been an incredible two and a half years uh, working with you on this project. Um, I've actually personally lived in two different states uh, working on this project. And uh, so to be working with this team uh, throughout has just been incredible. Uh, if you'd like to keep up to date on future educator innovator opportunities, uh, you can sign up for the monthly newsletter at educatorinnovator.org and follow Educator Innovator on Twitter at, at innovates underscore ed. So I think that's it, everybody. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time and uh, game on.